Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith and I'll be walking you through the upcoming match between Germany and France in the Euro 2020 competition. Obviously, everyone is still in a state of confusion as to whether to call this the Euro 2020 or the Euro 2021. I guess it really doesn't matter. The important thing is that we have some excellent games to watch, one of them being Germany and France, which I think most of you are interested in. And I think we're expecting a lot of good things from this game. Uh, well, some of us anyway. I know there is a large part of the German fan base that is a little pessimistic heading into this, and probably rightfully so. It has been an up and down, uh, I don't know, five years or so for Germany. So uh, this will be very interesting to see how it plays out. France obviously is the 2018 World Cup winner, and they are just stacked from top to bottom. Uh, when you look at their lineup, it, it's kind of crazy because conceivably France's starting 11 uh, could exclude players like Kingsley Coman and Quentin Tolisso, two very good players, two, two Bayern Munich players. And uh, that's just how deep France is. I think it's just funny how it all kind of developed for France over the past three years, uh, three to four years actually, where I think heading into the 2018 World Cup, it really did look like France had made that leap and had, um, you know, really established themselves as the go-to country for the next, I don't know, decade or so, given the pipeline of talent that they have. And, and they've lived up to the billing. They've been extremely strong. They just have talent after talent after talent in every position. It is, it's kind of crazy to see. And I think that, you know, Bayern obviously drawing uh, into a group with France and Portugal was, was not ideal. And, and having to start out with France was even less ideal. So, uh, you know, this is one where I think uh, the, the reactions are going to be kind of split on uh, what people expect, expect from Germany. I think that a lot of people are just hoping that the Germans survive this one without taking on too much damage. Heck, there's even a uh, segment of the population here, especially at BFW, is just hoping that Germany does not get embarrassed. I'm a little more optimistic than that, but uh, I'm going to readily admit that this is an uphill battle for Germany, and Yogi Love is going to have his work cut out for him. Let's, uh, let's dive right into it and take a look at uh, some of the expected lineups here, at least according to Kicker. Uh, the France lineup will go something like this. It looks like they're going to align in a either some type of 4-3-3 or 4-3-1-2 uh, in which the front line would be Karim Benzema, Kylian Mbappe, and Antoine Griezmann. Uh, the midfield trio would be Paul Pogba, N'Golo Kante, and Adrian Rabio. And then the back line would be two Bayern Munich outside backs in Benjamin Pavard and Lucas Hernandez. And the center back pairing would be Varane and Kempembe with Loris as the goalkeeper. So obviously this is a really dynamic attacking French lineup. And uh, when you look at players like Griezmann and Mbappe and Benzema, that's a lot of talent up front. I know Griezmann has not been great at Barcelona, but he seems to step up his play with France, whether it's a comfort thing or whether it's just being surrounded by so much talent. Um, he seems to really excel there, and that's not a shot at Barcelona's talent by any means. I mean, obviously, they have Lionel Messi. It's just uh, the way this, this French team is playing and the confidence they play with 
it can really elevate a player like Griezmann to take his game to even greater heights. So I think that uh, this is a, a real comfort zone for him, and he just seems to get the most out of himself in this environment. Obviously, the, the midfield trio is very, very good. Conte, maybe, you know, depending on who you ask, is one of the top one or two defensive midfielders in the world. I mean, personally, I prefer Joshua Kimmich, but I understand all the hype surrounding Conte. Uh, Paul Pogba, obviously, his reputation stands for itself. And the one outlier in this group uh, for a lot of people is Rabiot, who has... Uh, honestly taking a lot of heat more so for his behavior and kind of the off the field shenanigans he's been involved in more so than his on the field talent. Uh, Rabio though could be a player that gets dropped from the starting 11 in favor of Quentin Tolisso. It'll be very interesting to see what Didier Deschamps does in this in this uh, in this match simply because Tolisso by all accounts has had a very good camp for France. And Rabiot, who is building off of what was a solid club season and has shown well. Uh, so this is really an area of <clears throat> what I would say uh, possibility for Deschamps to, to make a change. But obviously it's, it's not a big deal. I'm not really sure that I would rate Tolisso ahead of Rabiot at this point. I'd say they're uh, similar in ability. They're a little bit different kinds of players, but... Uh, both are very talented, and I think both would benefit by playing in this France lineup and being surrounded by all the talent. The French back line, again, filled with talent. Uh, you know, I'll focus mostly on Pavar and Hernandez because uh, they are the Bayern players, and they are uh, two of the uh, more important figures along that back line because they have both have the ability when playing for France to charge up the field relentlessly and kind of uh, not have to worry so much about their defensive responsibilities. Now, that does not mean they'll be sloppy, but because of how powerful this French offense is and how solid the midfield is, those outside backs have the ability just to play a little more freely, and I think that suits both Hernandez and Pavar in this formation. Uh, I expect big things from them throughout the tournament, and uh, I expect them to also probably make life a little troublesome for Germany in this match. Uh, as for Germany, uh, we have seen a lot of uh, conjecture going around about who will start, who will sit, and that mostly goes around one or two players in one position on the field. And look, we can just start out there. Uh, it seems that Yogi Love has really narrowed it down uh, for his starting 11, and the only kind of flip flopping he's doing is with Kai Havertz or Leroy Sane which is a very interesting uh, selection for Yogi Love, considering this is very similar to the uh, transfer <laughs> saga of 2020, in which Kai Havertz was loosely linked to Bayern Munich, and Leroy Sané obviously ended up going to Bayern, but was a longtime target, a big... Uh, uh, he is the player who was really the white whale for Barrazzo in terms of uh, bringing in a wing. So... Um, you know, the fact that this selection for Germany comes down between those two players is, is kind of funny in a way, but I think by all accounts right now, it seems like Havertz seems to have won that personnel battle and will start. But let's take a look at what Kicker has projected as Germany's lineup. We'll start along that front line where they have Serge Gnabry, Thomas Muller, and Kai Havertz. 
very strong. Uh, Gnabry is coming off of an up-and-down season. He is extremely streaky. He seems to also be another player that is a little bit better with Germany on the international scene than he is with Bayern Munich on the club scene. And that's not a knock on his performance with Bayern. It's just simply noticing that he seems more comfortable. Uh, I don't know whether it's he has more confidence in himself there or he's just there's a, a, a greater level of trust in Yogi Love than maybe he had with Hansi Flick or any of the managers at Bayern Munich. Uh, Gnabry is, is a player who can make a big impact, but he also is prone to disappearing when he goes through his down spells. So he is a, a big key to what Germany could be able to do offensively. If he is not on, though, it would be wise for Yogi Love probably to make a substitution. Uh, Gnabry has just immense talent. He's such a good player. I just think he's working through some things within his confidence and within his game that he needs to get through. Uh, to really reach that next level. And whether that happens this summer at the Euros or next season with Bayern Munich, I hope that Gnabry can make that leap because he, he is just has a lot of unlocked potential, but consistency is, is a big issue. Uh, the, the keystone to that front three is Thomas Muller, and whether he is used primarily in a wider role or in the middle remains to be seen. But uh, Muller has the ability to, flex, to be flexible and float around the different positions. He also has a knack for scoring. He has a, a, a tremendous playmaking eye. And he went from a player that could not even get included uh, on the squad for any of the tune-ups to this tournament to a player that I don't think Yogi Love could take off the pitch, uh, at least for the first 75 minutes of a game. Thomas Muller has become that important. And you could see that within the two f- most recent friendlies against Denmark and Latvia. Uh, Muller is really just a big key, not just for his talent, but also for his leadership. Uh, in this 3-4-3 formation, we, we have uh, the two central midfielders in Tony Cruz and Ilkay Gondwan. Uh, they got the nod over Florian Neuhaus and a recovering Leon Goretzka for obvious reasons. Uh, Yogi Love has tre- a tremendous amount of trust in both Cruz and Gondwan. Uh, Goretzka is not quite ready physically as much as he wants to be, and I think that Germany is going to be conservative, not just because they don't want to risk further injury with Goretzka, but also because it creates a little bit less of a logjam if they can kind of move Goretzka along slowly. This is the deepest and most talented part of the squad uh, within the central midfield, and you know, you can see that uh, with Florian Neuhaus, who would be a, an automatic starter for so many countries. But it's very doubtful that he'll get much time in this tournament simply because you have Cruz, you have Gundogan, you have Goretzka, and you could have Joshua Kimmich uh, slide back into a central role if uh, things do not go well against France. So uh, expect Gundogan and Cruz to really have to operate quickly within the midfield. They are going to be under an intense amount of pressure. And I think for a lot of Germany fans, this is probably where they see the game uh, coming down to. They're going to need, uh, they being Cruz and Gundogan, to be able to handle that pressure. And they're going to have to dictate the pace of the game and take that away from France. And that's going to be extremely difficult because more so than anything, France has been successful at imposing their will on the opposition. Uh, so back to Germany, on the outside of that 3-4-3 within the midfield, we have Robin Guzzins on the left side and the aforementioned Joshua Kimmich on the right. Uh, Guzzins obviously is, uh, he's, 
He's mercurial at best here. He has a lot of talent, a lot of speed. Uh, his performances for Germany have been up and down. He at times can look like a dynamic threat moving up and down the left flank. There are some times, though, where he could absolutely do a much better job defending. And uh, against France, he can't afford to have any lapses. And I think that that's a huge concern again for Germany, that if Guzzins gets caught too far upfield, uh, that support that the back three is going to need won't be there. And that will mean a lot of problems for Germany in combating Mbappe, Griezmann, and Benzema, among other players who France could use. So, uh, you know, Guzzins is a big key here. I don't worry so much about that with Kimmich. Kimmich obviously is another, when he plays out on the right flank, he is another player who will dive bomb upfield and get involved in the offense. And he is, you know, even gone as far as to uh, allegedly tell Yogi Love if things aren't working out against France, he would like to move back to the central midfield. But right now he's doing what's best for the team. And that it is the right move. For as much as we've all probably criticized Yogi Love over the years, this move right now in a tournament that, I don't know, that Germany really needs to perform well in, using Kimmich as the right back or the right wing back, however you want to phrase it in this formation, it was an absolute must. And that, to me, it's not a knock against Lucas Klosterman. I think Klosterman is more of a center back. And while I think he is more than capable of being a defensive right back, I don't think he brings as much offensive contribution as what Kimmich could, and that's the big difference. So using Kimmich here at right back is a no-brainer. Uh, even Bastian Schweinsteiger has has looked at this and said that Kimmich will still be able to impose his own will on the game from right back. He doesn't need to be in the central midfield to do that because he's simply that good of a player. Uh, and Schweinsteiger went as far as to say it's kind of like a curse for Kimmich that he's world-class in two positions, and it gives Yogi Love that option to move him out wide and make the team better. So Kimmich is going to need to really be strong on both ends of the pitch, uh, and he's going to have to contribute offensively without creating a hole defensively. Let's see how he can juggle that. I have a lot of confidence that he will be able to do that, but it won't be easy, especially given how quick this French team is. The back line for Germany, uh, as of now, is expected to include Mats Hommels, Antonio Rudiger, and Matthias Ginter. And obviously that puts Nicholas Sula on the bench. Uh, there's been a lot of back and forth with Sula and how he fits on this German team. Obviously, he would be the like-for-like -like replacement with Ginter. I think right now Yogi Love is a little more comfortable with Ginter because he takes less chances. He's a little more stable. Uh, but I think Sula still has the bigger upside. I think he's still the bigger talent, and I expect him to be back into that mix, probably starting at some point next to Hummels and Rudiger soon. I just think in this match, Yogi Love has a little more trust for Ginter to stay at home and not get caught up high and to be able to combat the France's overall speed. I mean, I guess if you had them race, Sula would probably be a quicker player than Ginter. In fact, I'd almost bet on it. Uh, Sula is a is a very fast man. Uh, for for a big guy, he can really run, but his tendency to push up a little bit maybe it's that uh, all the it's all that time spent under Hansi Flick playing a high line. He can get caught up high and see uh, the opposition get behind him. So I think Ginter will probably play a little more conservatively. And for this particular matchup, I think Love just feels a little more comfortable with Ginter there. Uh, as for Hummels, again, like Muller, it's hard to believe this guy couldn't get a call-up because 
he went from not getting the call to being the absolute keystone of the defense. While Rudiger has been very good for Chelsea and he has shown well for Germany thus far, uh, Hummels is the man on defense. And again, why did Yogi Love do this? Why did he prematurely make this decision to exclude players like Muller and Hummels and, and even Jerome Boateng, who you could really argue should be on this team as well, when all those players could provide was leadership to this younger group as he wanted to make this transition. It was really a short-sighted move for Yogi Love. Thankfully, he was able to to go back and fix that. But, I mean, the damage is already done. These two players could have been integrated in the squad much sooner. Everyone could have a much more clear idea of what their role is on the squad. Uh, but as of now, Hummels has really stepped up, taken that leadership role on defense, and I think he has solidified what was a very, very shaky unit in the uh, friendlies and the Nations League and everything leading up to this tournament. So um, having Hummels back there gives me confidence. Uh, still, though, when you, the prospect of Hummels, Ginter, and Rudiger going against Mbappe, Griezmann, and Benzema, uh, that's tough. It's really, really tough. It's a, it is a... <laughs> It's not a good matchup for Germany, and that's not a slight on the back three for Germany, but um, they're going to need some support. Mbappe himself is just an absolute handful, and given the way that Benzema seems to put himself in the right position all of the time. And Griezmann's creativity, I think this, this is going to be a really tough match. But France will have to find a way past Manuel Neuer, who, again, he's the best goalkeeper in the tournament, the best goalkeeper in the world. If there is any one goalkeeper who can rally his team into maybe pushing in, pushing uh, France into a draw or even potentially an upset, it's Neuer. He has the potential to rob France of goals, but he's going to be under pressure a lot. He's going to be under fire. And like some of our BFW staff writers have said privately, they're just hoping it's not a repeat of Spain's 6 nothing destruction of Germany. Uh, as for me, I'm a, I'm a little more hopeful. Uh, when I look at this game, uh, I really look at how the lineups match up and how the personnel aligns. And, and it's, I don't know how anyone can match up with France at this point. They just look that much stronger. Germany, though, uh, as much as people want to discount the win over Latvia, it wasn't just the way they played, but it was a, a much more aggressive style. Obviously, they picked up a win in that. It was very convincing. Latvia is not the strongest side. But... Germany showed some creativity. They showed more movement off the ball. Inserting Havertz for Sané, uh, to me, it was kind of a genius move by Love, and I, I have not been a uh, supporter of him for quite some time, uh, Yogi Love. He, you know, I think he's made a lot of missteps along the way here, especially since the uh, 2017 Confederations Cup. I think basically everything he's done since then has been a bit of a train wreck. But making that move to Havertz, pushing Kimmich outside... It prevented, I mean, it really provided Germany with a new outlook, uh, and, and they look more dangerous. Kimmich obviously solidifies the lineup and allows you to put your best 11 on the pitch. And with Havertz, I mean, quite simply, he's just better than Sané right now. As much as Bayern fans might not want to hear that, uh, Sané is so up and down at this moment. Sometimes he it looks like he's on fire and looks great, and other times he just looks lethargic and uninterested. Uh, I did not like how Sané and Gnabry played together. 
against Denmark in the friendly. I thought that that was a very hapless pairing. I mean, in fact, in that game, it played the formation played much more like a 3-4-1-2 with Muller behind Sané and Gnabry. And with Sané kind of moving all over the pitch, there was no cohesiveness. Uh, I don't think Germany could get much going because Sané really was never in a consistent spot. And it created a lot of confusion. So Havertz brings a lot to the table. He's obviously very versatile and flexible as a player. You can put him in a number of different positions. He's got great speed, got a great knack for the goal, and he's creative. And I think that's really the biggest thing. In this game against France, you need your most creative players on the pitch. And right now, Sané is not one of them. And, and you know, Havertz is. Uh, when you have Havertz and Muller together with Tony Cruz and Ilkay Gundogan and Joshua Kimmich, those are five players who I really think could make a difference here and, and at least challenge France. Now, do I think they can beat France? Probably not. And in fact, now it's time for my prediction. And I'm going to go with France 3, Germany 2. And that seems like a high-scoring game. And I think that it's just going to be the way it plays out. While most people are probably expecting Germany to be really conservative and to really play defensive style to limit... France, France's pace and France's attacking ability. I just think Germany has, uh, they have to let loose and let it go and try and go punch for punch with France. And knowing you're not going to win that battle, but that's something you need to do for your team over the course of this tournament. If you want to get out of the group, you have to be more creative. You have to be more attacking minded. And there is no sense in offsetting that with a conservative game plan. Yes, you're probably going to lose this game. But if you want to have a chance later in this tournament, they need to break through and continue the creative play that they showed against Latvia. They need to do it against better teams. And what better way to start this tournament than to let loose and try and push the pace at France. Try and attack them before they can attack you. And I'll say it a million times, I don't think that's going to result in a win in this game. But it could create some doubt for France later in the tournament if you so happen to see France again. And it could also get the offense going in such a manner that when they play Portugal and when they match up against Hungary, that you can perform well enough to potentially get a wild card and move on to the quarterfinals or the round of 16. And uh, yeah, the round of 16 and then hopefully, um, or the quarterfinals. I'm sorry, I'm all over the place right now with how this advances. But I think that you really want to establish yourself and get an offensive presence going and, and get the attack moving. And that's the real key. Defensively, I'm not as worried about Germany as I probably should be. I have a lot of trust in Hummels, Ginter, and Rudiger, and Sula as the center backs. And I think Kimmich will probably berate Robin Guzins enough into <laughs> defending that we won't have to worry about it. Obviously, Kimmich is uh, very vocal, and I think that He'll be able to lead from the right flank just as well as he could from the central midfield. So uh, let's go with 3-2 for France. But all in all, a 3-2 loss to France would be successful for Germany in the fact that this would build some momentum heading into the rest of the tournament. So thanks again for listening. Obviously, this preview show is something we'll do for Germany uh, as they progress through the tournament. Give us some feedback either in the comments to this post or on social media. 
Again, it's Chuck Smith. Check out Bavarian Football Works for all your great Bayern Munich and Germany coverage, especially during the Euro 2020 or 2021 competition. And we will uh, you know, keep you up to date on all the comings and goings of the Euros, along with the transfer craziness that's going on with Bayern Munich. So thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.